The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. You another reflection. And the reflection is um, has to do with what you consume in your lifestyle, the way you live, things you buy, things you consume. What impact does your patterns of consumption have on yourself, And what, inca- what impact does your patterns of consumption have on the world? So um, the topic of today is right livelihood, 
which is the third of the three factors in the Eightfold Path, having to do with ethics, or what in Buddhism is called sila. And it's easy to look at any discussion of ethics from the point of view of some kind of moral uh, rules, commandments, that if you're going to be a good person, you have to follow these rules. And Buddhism has rules, commandments, and you better follow them or else. And um, something like that. And, um, and so our relationship to ethics is a very important one. And it's uh, probably a complicated one, the whole what's, what's, what's ethical and unethical. But what, we're fo- but what we're focusing on here is the Eightfold Path. And the Eightfold Path has a particular purpose. And it's not, you know, to be a good person, ethical person, because there's, you know, you should be a good Buddhist and follow what the Buddha says. The purpose of the Eightfold Path is to help you become free to help you on your inner spiritual growth and development. And so the evaluation of ethics in the Eightfold Path is not based on some external standards of what is good and what you need to live up to, but it's based on the idea that this is a path that you want to walk, that you're interested in, that has some relevance for you, and that the idea of spiritual freedom, of liberation, which in the very simple terms means um, to no longer have the mind or heart contracted with craving or clinging, any kind of whatsoever. So the, the heart is unshackled, is set free. And so the evaluation of ethics, uh, as from the point of view of the Eightfold Path, the evaluation of ethics has to do with what is it, that, what are the ethical behavior, what are the ways of behaving that support and help you to become freer. Now, in the path to freedom in Buddhism, there's a lot of inner cultivation that supports that. It's not just like go from being not free to be free, and that's the end of the story. But rather, the cultivation of, certainly ethics is meant to include include that. The cultivation of meditation and all the good states that come with meditation are supports for becoming free. The cultivation of loving-kindness and compassion are supports for coming free. Cultivation of peacefulness, relaxation, are supports for this process of becoming free. So there's a whole range of inner qualities that get developed, states that get developed in this process. Some of them are quite beautiful. So with, um, um, but the, from the point of view of the Eightfold Path, the ethical evaluation is not moralistic, if moralistic means you know, some external standard, but it's more pragmatic. It's more, um, uh, what is it, what kind of behavior could you do that supports you to walk this path, supports you to become freer, supports the inner sense of well-being that makes it easier to become free. And so it becomes less moralistic and more practical. You know, if, if, if what you want is this path, then how do you want to behave that supports to go that along this path? If you don't want to do this path, then, you know, 
I don't know if you know, then the, the, the questions of the path are not really that relevant. So, but it's not like a hermetically sealed thing that your inner cultivation is independent of how you behave in the world, that how you behave in the world, the impact you have on the world affects your heart as well, your inner life. So, you know, uh, it isn't that um, you can, you know, um, uh, you know, the best thing for you is that if you could live a very efficient life and uh, have a lot of time to meditate and then you could be really peaceful. So the thing to do is to buy a tank and uh, when you drive down the freeway, just plow all the cars out of the way so you can get to where you need to go quickly and so, so you can get down to meditate. doesn't matter, those people and those cars, right? Just, like, just plow them out of the way and, you know, I'm gonna, so I can get to my meditation. <laughs> um, you know, but that doesn't work that way, right? Because if you cause all that damage and, and harm, you, know, you, you also harm yourself. You, can't, you just can't sit down to meditate because I think you're going to be so upset. And, uh, I hope you're upset. <laughs> um, because we have a conscience you know, that has to also come into play. So it's not just about so the ex- how we behave to the external world has an impact on, on this inner cultivation. But the perspective of the Eightfold Path is what is it supports us here? So in terms of right livelihood, the ethical question is how is it that the livelihood we have, the occupation we have, how do we live it so it supports walking this Eightfold Path? From that point of view, the interesting question is, or a phrase, I love this phrase when I heard it, you know, many people, uh, you know, get some interest in meditation into Buddhism, and there's a feel very strongly. This is all good, but I need to integrate it into my life. I need to include it in my life and integrate it into my life and figure out how it fits into my life. And you know, this Asian Buddhist tradition—it's you know, it's an Asian thing, and we have to kind of adapt it into America so it works for me, so I apply it to my life. Something like that. The other way of looking at it is um, not to integrate Buddhism into your life, but integrate your life into Buddhism, into your practice. And uh, kind of turn it upside down. Where's the priority for you? Is the priority just living your life, you know, as you wish, and then bringing in a little sprinkling, a little practice, as if that, you know, that could be the, that could be the end of it. It could be very useful that way. Or is the pri- priority of your life um, your uh, spiritual growth, your development, your freedom, um, walking the path, and that that has the, uh, the highest value for you, and that everything else has to align and organize itself around that. It's a matter of how does your, how does your life fit into that. Make, does that make sense? That question. Does your life fit? In, does it, you want your practice to fit into Buddhism? You, uh, you, you want do you want Buddhist practice or meditation? to be a part of your life, that just, you know, one element of all the things you do? Or is there some way in which what this path is about, this practice is about, does it make sense to put it in the center and everything else has to organize itself around that? That's an interesting question. And, um, you know, so you probably imagine I have a certain choice that I've made. But... uh, um, I say that because not, I want to just warn you not think that there's a right answer of how you're supposed to be. But it might be interesting for you to spend a little bit of time discussing that dichotomy, that distinction. Um, is the practice something that you add to your life? Or is your life something you add to your practice? Where is the valence? Where is the, where, 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 where does the, what's the organizing center 
for, for what you do. Does that make some sense? Or is the organizing center of a person's life watching television? And meditation practice has to be fit in the edges of that. Whereas a, you know, so where, where's the organizing principle? Where's the center for your life? And you know, what direction can it go? And is there some way for you, in the way that you understand yourself, understand practice, where it makes sense for you to say that the practice is at the center and everything else has to organize itself or integrate or fit into that. Is there some way that makes sense for you and how you're, you know, is there some value or something for you? Or is it clear to you, you're very clear and matter of fact about it, that you're happy with your life, but you find it's really great to add to your life this practice and reflections and you're content with the balance, but you're not going to make this your whole, you know, the, this, the organizing principle. Does that kind of provoke you a little bit into some kind of thinking and reflections? I was just hoping to, to do that, <laughs> to give you something to think about and react to. I think it's a good topic. So what I thought would be nice is um, now that you've been provoked, <laughs> uh, you know, given, given something to think about, that uh, you explore that with one other person here. And you have a conversation back and forth about what you just, uh, what you're feeling and thoughts about this. And that as you do this, I'm not going to, this is not going to be a time thing where one person does a certain amount of time and the other then follows. But rather it's a little bit more going back and forth. But remember when we did uh, the conversation in the circle, fours and eights, that the idea was to be somewhat brief. And then did some of you find that by, by doing it brief and listening to the other people, by the time it came around to you, it kind of, you had new ideas, new understandings, you had new things to contribute. So the same thing with the two of you. It won't be as brief, but, uh, 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 um, and, you know, don't be excessively brief, but remember the benefits that you get if you don't talk a lot. But talk just enough to contribute something, and then hear from the other person before you contribute something again. And see if the back and forth, um, you know, see where, where the conversation goes, where both of you go, and what new... Uh, areas um, open up for you as you have this, que- this conversation based on what I just said. Does that give you enough to go in? Mm-hmm. Yes? So, um, I don't know if it's odd or even here, but why don't you, uh, you can pair up with someone and start, and probably we do it for about 15 minutes. We'll see how the energy in the room is. But, um, and then if there's an uh, odd number of people in the room, why don't the, the people who don't find a partner come towards me, and it's just a way of you'll find each other. Please. So again, it might be nice if you just close your eyes as you're sitting there and breathe, take stock.
Okay, and then you can open your eyes. <coughs> so the next topic <coughs> of discussion uh, is based on <coughs> an idea of dividing up our life into two sides, two halves. There's what we produce and there's what we consume. And what we produce means that which we kind of offer the world in order to get income or support back, your work that you do. Um, so, you know, kind of what you kind of produce in order to <clears throat> be able to have food and shelter and, and, you know, take care of your needs. And then with the income and support you get from what you produce, there is what you consume. So you consume food, you go to the store and buy food, and you, can, you <clears throat> buy clothes, shelter, medicine, you buy recreational opportunities, toys, computers. You know, you have all kinds of things that you consume, that you, that side. And some of the things that you consume are not technically necessary for the human life, <clears throat> but some of you have the luxury to be able to do more than just the basic necessities of food and shelter and things like that. And um, so the question for you is now is about the consumption side of your life, if you go along with this kind of division. So on the consumption side of your life, uh, in what ways can you, which ways would you like your spiritual life to be part of your consumptive life? how you consume, what you, what you actually spend your time with. Like if you spend time on the computer, if you spend time, you know, some recreational pursuit, or if you spend time going to restaurants, or some time buying food, or whatever you do, you buy a car. The things you consume and how you consume, the lifestyle of consumption that you have. What are, in what way does your spiritual life, your Buddhist practice, your meditation practice, um, have some bearing on that life of consumption? Or would you like it to be? Or would, you know, consumption is what you deserve, you've done all this hard work, and the last thing you want to do is to bring in your spiritual concerns here, because that's, you know, the time for you to, it's your time. So what is your, what's your relationship between what you consume in your spiritual life, your spiritual values, your practice, and how do you want that practice to come in to, uh, into that side of your life of consumption? Does that uh, give you enough clarity around a topic? You have questions? Yes. I have a question. Uh, are you talking about consuming physical things? Or are you talking about visual? Or I, I guess I'm not quite understanding what you mean by consuming. I mean, yeah. usually consumer means to be going bye, bye, bye. Yeah. So yes. That's mostly kind of what I mean. The things you, you buy and use for your life. But uh, it could also be, um, you know, if, um, um, you know, once you've, once you've bought a television, what you consume is, you know, four hours a day of watching shows or, or um, um, you know, uh, or you spend your time doing something with that. And you need to require some money and some support to be able to spend your time doing this. Maybe, maybe you do bird watching. And so your bird watching is your one of your things that you, ways you this consumption side of life. If you see that bird watching is not producing anything, but it's it's what you do, it's lifestyle you have. You spend four hours a day bird watching, 
And, um, and so, you know, your, your support you get from the production side allows you to do, spend your time bird watching. So it's not consumption in the normal sense, but it's that if, you, if, we, if you're going to go along, if you, if you go along for now with this division of life in these two sides, bird watching would be the consumption side. Or if you spend all your time looking at flowers, you know, then that's, the, you know, that's what you're doing with the consumption side. So is that, is that clear enough? It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not meant, you know, again, again, these kinds of questions, it's not like a, a hard and fast question has a particular meaning. It's just kind of, it, it's a general, it's a broad stroke question that you find yourself in it. So if, the, if you don't understand it exactly what I mean, uh, understand it in the way that you mean. Well, You're, you have some freedom here. The, the bringing in the spiritual aspect, yeah. I think, is what kind of throws me off. Yeah, so people don't use the word spiritual, so that doesn't mean much for them. But their meditation practice, their uh, Buddhist practice, if they have one, if they have a spiritual practice of another kind or something, uh, what are the, or, or maybe it's the, uh, uh, the ethical values that are most important for you, what you want to live by. Um, you know, what, what, what are these more intangible things that affect your choices and your influence uh, values about how you live the consumptive life? And, and um, generally, when people have a Buddhist practice or meditation practice, they're trying to cultivate and develop something. Presence, mindfulness, compassion, concentration, um, greater freedom, greater non-attachment, you know. And so how is it that those, developing those qualities is something that you want uh, uh, to have a role in the life of your consumption? Does that make sense? I hope this makes sense. Does it make sense enough of you? So I apologize if it doesn't make sense to all of you, but with all these questions, remember, uh, you can be a politician when someone asks you a question and answer it as you see fit. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, answer it as you think is useful for you. So if you don't quite get it, uh, maybe there's a way of reframing and say, well, I don't get what Gil says, but it, if I say it this way, then it's meaningful for me. So because we're not, it's not really like this, you know. So is, that, is that okay for now then? <laughs> So, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, we, so in that case, so what you need? What? Okay, so up there. Up, where'd you go? Yeah, we can be a group of five up there then. Why don't you join? Up in the corner there. Can you? Why don't you? They'll jo- they'll come and join you up there. They'll join you. Good. Yeah, and the um, I was just thinking about the 
was this chip telling she had earlier that the Uri is, is monumental. And what a joy. Good. I'm glad you got glad you connected with him. He's a great guy. Really great guy. And um, you know, I start out like what are we gonna talk about? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just because you know I don't I don't come to you and talk to yeah, you yeah. much at war with Andrea and so just having this encouragement once a month has just been so I'm I'm very glad to hear that. Good. Yeah, and we'll do. We'll, 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 in a few weeks, we'll, when, when it gets to close, near the end, we'll talk about how maybe to continue it or what, what's next. Was a gr- okay. okay, so you guys have started, managed to start without me. You, 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 don't, you don't need any instruction. Would you like some, or you would always you know, have your conversation? Okay, so. The topic among the four of you is somewhat similar to the, what you just did in pairs, but in my mind, it's kind of the reverse. So it's this way. Um, how can you... Um, live your life, your consumptive life, your cons- you know, the side of life that you consume, the consuming side of life, the, how you live your lifestyle. How can you live it in such a way that it supports meditation practice? Does that make some sense? How does support meditation practice? Okay. So what I propose now is we make one big circle. All the circles can join. And uh, so if we can make kind of, kind of a circle coming, some of you can come along the sides here so that I can be part of the circle. Maybe a... to have a circle maybe if you move back if you guys move back a little bit maybe we can get we can come closer here maybe we can get yeah that, that looks all looks good it doesn't have to be you know a little bit ragged circle is fine So the idea, for me, what I think about when I think of people sitting in a circle, is uh, we're a community, we're, we're together, we're in it together. And, um, and for me, that's an important value in Buddhism, is that we're all practicing together, we're a shared practice community. And that we have um, this empty space inside the circle, which is the, the place of freedom, a place of potential, a place of um, the unknown, the place of... Um, possibilities for us as a community to explore, to practice in, uh, to meet each other, to see each other in. So, so it's nice to kind of come to sit in a circle, I think. And um, so I want to say, um, 
there's a few things about right livelihood. The, it's usually placed in the category of ethics, and uh, together with right speech and right action. And um, there's usually not a very, uh, not much said about it uh, in the Buddhist te- text. And if you look at Bhikkhu Bodhi's little book, uh, The Noble Eightfold Path, he has, you know, two half pages. You know, you have to, you have to turn the page to finish the little section on it, but it's not very long. Um, uh, Bhante Gunaratana, who has the other book that I recommend for this program, he has actually a very nice, long, much longer piece that I thought was quite nice about this topic. Both are nice to read. Bhikkhubodhi, you get very much a traditional take on it, um, because there's not so little traditional take, but you get some. And uh, Gunaratna kind of has developed a little bit more nicely. The, but the most traditional way of talking about it is that the Buddha uh, uh, said there are five professions that uh, are clearly unethical if you, if you want to do a practice um, Buddhism or practice the path. And so you cannot be involved in um, um, butchery, killing animals or killing people. Can involved in the trade of, of slaves, the trade of human beings. You can't be involved in the trade of weapons. You can't be involved in the, in the trade of alcohol, drugs. And then there's maybe one more, I think there's five. But people? What, people? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mentioned that, yeah. yeah. And um, so there's one, it's one of those, it's kind of interesting, it's one of the places where it's quite categorical in the teachings of the Buddha that um, about actual, actual particular things not to do. Uh, like the five precepts doesn't get down to particulars so much. It's, it's more general principles than you have to apply for yourself. Uh, and then there's also some discussion about, uh, you know, in terms of ethics, that livelihood should be done um, uh, honestly, um, in, uh, you know, honestly, ethically, um, you know, a variety of things like that. But there's other ways of looking at right livelihood besides ethics. And one of the ways of looking upon it is that um, as a, in the Eightfold Path, this uh, livelihood factor is a precursor before the mental cultivation factors. So the next three that we'll do in the next three classes have to do with the inner cultivation uh, of our mind or hearts that's part of the Buddhist practice. And, uh, and, and, and lo- looming large in this is the cultivation of mindfulness, concentration, meditation practice. So the c- question then is how is it that livelihood in all its forms supports meditation practice. Um, how do we live our life so that if we want to meditate, how do we live our life so that we can meditate in a way that's meaningful for us, satisfying for us? If we live a job that's, uh, do a job or live a life that's extremely agitating, and so we sit down to meditate and all we're ever aware of is you know, we're just jangled, and maybe we calm down a teeny bit, but it's just a little bit of you know, settling, and that's the only benefit we get then we're not uh, living to the full possibility of what meditation can mean for a person's life. It's not just about just, you know, reducing just a little bit the jangled feelings. Uh, so how do we live our life? So we come to meditation, uh, settled, maybe relaxed. So the meditation is not emergency first aid for our life, but rather meditation, you know, we, we don't need first aid, but it takes us, actually takes us to, to deeper levels of what meditation is possible. So livelihood, how does, it, how does it support that possibility? Then for a lot of people here in the West, I think, and they, they, it works the other way. For some reason, they've come to meditation, and they find meditation meaningful, and after a while, it becomes interesting for them to um, ex- extend out into their lives 
the benefits of meditation. So they're calm, they have insight, they're concentrated, they have more compassion, the variety of things that come with meditation practice. And now they want to kind of bring that to their work. And so they find that uh, they, have, they don't think about how work can help their meditation, but they think a lot about how meditation can support their work. They can work in better ways. So there's two ways, two directions it can go, the, the exploration. How does work, livelihood, uh, support meditation? How do you set up? How do you engage in work and livelihood, living your life in such a way that you can meditate better? And the, uh, or the consideration in the other direction is, um, now that you've meditated, how can you use that to benefit and support your rest of your life, your work life? Does that make sense, that idea? So what I'd like to, what I thought we'd try doing is to go around the circle and if you're willing to vote on, you know, on one side or the other, this divide, uh, where do you fall in this divide? Are you more like the person who thinks about livelihood, ethics, and how can, how can it be done so it supports your meditation? Or are you more the kind of person who meditates and then thinks about how you can bring that to support how you live your life? And um, does it make sense, that divide? Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. I'll be curious. To, I want to go around and see what, where we fall as a group here in that divide. The question? So, um, so if, if you had to choose between what kind of person you are, which of these two are you? The kind of person who thinks about his or her ethics, his or her way of living a life, so that it supports meditation practice. Or are you more like a kind of person who meditates and then might consider, uh, how can I bring the benefits of meditation into my daily life, into my work? How can it benefit? So how does, very simply, how does how I live my life support meditation? Or how does my meditation support my daily life? Those are the two choices. And you have to choose those two. <laughs> you know, you can, I'm sure you can come up with other options and... You know, or if you have a really good third option and you can say it briefly, you can offer it like, you know, I don't think of either. But um, something, does that make sense? Yeah, so, so Evan, you want to? S- sure, I mean, you could just do thumbs up or thumbs down at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> we could. I would like to hear voices. <laughs> and if you could use the mic there. Okay. Yeah, it's on. Okay. I've, I, I fall in the camp of... Um, Unless my life is in line, unless my daily life is in line with sort of my heart's longing, I can't sit. Like, my mind won't settle. It's so important. So I really see them th- that way. Great. Mm-hmm. I'm on the side of um, meditation and um, seeing how I can bring that into my life. I'm on the side of um, using, bringing meditation into my life rather than using my life to support the meditative practice. But it goes back and forth, so I won't filibuster on it. (laughs) (laughs) I used to be um, meditation for first aid for my life. And now I'm in the process of shifting those priorities so that the meditation is primary. When I 
first started, it seemed to be that what I did supported the meditation. But now it seems the other way around. What mm. meditation supports what I do. Thank you. I meditate in order to live a better life. I think I'm on the side of meditating and bringing meditating into my life. Well, we do all the ones on the floor first, and then we go to the chair people. I see that my work uh, obviously interferes with my meditation, so I need to bring my med- I need to change my work through my meditation. Okay. Uh, my empirical uh, evidence is my meditation is affecting my life. And not, I'm not aware of uh, the other direction. Uh, I think because I came to meditation later rather than as a child, I already had a life. <laughs> and so meditation has been coming into my life and rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm, great. I'm, I'm very clear that meditation is, I'm on the side of meditation uh, impacting my life, definitely. I can't, I can't think of the other way around. Mm. Okay, thank you. Well, I, I clearly began that way uh, with meditating to support my life, but I feel things have been shifting fast. And I really don't know where I am now. I, it's, it's both ways. Sorry, I'm on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how I feel also. If I had to choose one, I think I would choose meditation into life. Well, I guess I have to be the one who says neither because I rarely meditate except when I'm here. However, having taken every single one of the Dharmic Practice Day series since we started, the um, Buddhist thought process, philosophy, psychology, what you will, has so permeated um, how I think. Um, even, Even what my husband and I will go to the movies or the theater and come home and do Buddhist analysis of those <laughs> characters. Um, uh, it's, it's very much a part of my life. I would like to start thinking about how, though, I could uh, organize my life to sit more. Mm, great. Well, a rookie is here. <laughs> totally rookie. I am bringing meditation in my life, into my life. Well, I also based on what was said, go back and forth both ways. But lately, meditation has come into my life a lot. Yeah. Um, I, think the, I think meditation came into my life enough that the balance is now really shifted so that my life supports my meditation. Mm. Well, for many years I had a job that I felt was a good right livelihood job and I felt good about that but I also didn't meditate very much and um, although I did come here so I don't think I was applying what I was 
learning so much to my life until more recent, the last few years. It's so that's. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, I think I'm still at the stage where I'm bringing my meditation into my daily life. I don't, I don't think I have any distinction between the two anymore. They're one. Uh, meditation into my life. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way too. I think, I, 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 maybe it's because I'm such a beginner or something, but I feel like um, I'm, I'm looking to the teachings and to meditation to affect my life and how I live. Yes, I'm into meditation, into my life. I'm trying to work into uh, a daily life that uh, meditation is the life. I have to say that I use meditation to, to bring meditation into my daily life, but I will say that uh, the times that I've done the daily life practice with Andrea's class, that uh, it does seem to be the other way around. Recently I'm finding uh, my life, or how I lead my life, really affects my meditation. Well, I rearranged my life to support meditation, and now I feel that they're inseparable, both ways. I'm more of uh, taking my meditation practice into my daily life. For a long time, I was focused on the meditation, and um, when these ethical practices were introduced that we've been going doing the last couple of months, uh, I surprised myself by becoming really interested in the ethical practices, and my, my meditation has suffered. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as exciting as... <laughs> so uh, I'll have to work on that. <laughs> yes, I, I think go along with everybody... With, most people read the meditation into my life. And not just the meditation, uh, um, but also the study and the practices that, that, that go along with it. Uh, my practice informs my life and affects my life. Um, so that puts life in the center and the practice around the edges. And beginning to get some hint of what it might look like if it got turned around. Not sure about it, but could happen. Door number two. <laughs> Meaning? That's the second option. Which means going from? Which means that my meditation practice supports my life. life. Great. Thank you. That was wonderful. I appreciate hearing all that. That was great. So then, um, we don't have much time left before the end of 3.30, but um, I do want to uh, like to uh, end with a challenge for you, and that is uh, for every one of you who answered one way, 
um, give some thought, serious thought about the other way. Uh, just reflect on it, think about how it might be helpful and useful to do the other way as well. Does that make sense? So I appreciate everything we said, and no, there's no, no, everyone passed the test <laughs> and, and with, with, with A+. Plus. But, um, but you might want to just, you might, you know, in, in that you recognize you have one pattern, one side of it, uh, would it, it might be useful for you to reflect and think about how the other side of this could be a bigger part of your life. Yes? Mm. The, um, well, it's, I mean, I'm not sure, but a variety of things occur to me. One is that, um, uh, is a little bit different than what you said, and that is that you would uh, live a life when, so that your life was calm and relaxed and settled. So when you came to meditate, you were settled to begin with when you meditate. You didn't need your meditation to get settled. You're already settled. And because you're already settled when you go to meditate, you could take the meditation further than just becoming settled. The other thing is that informing your meditation would be uh, it's a very interesting statement because rather than um, uh, making a sharp divide between life and meditation, you would uh, bring with you to meditation um, the feelings, the kind of thoughts, the attitudes, the motivations that go on in daily life so that you can meditate and be present for them in a deeper way. So you, uh, some people, when they meditate, try to shut everything else out. And not that you actively think about things in meditation, but you allow your meditation, whatever's going on in your life, to be present when you meditate. So your feelings, your emotions, whatever the concerns of the day are, and then you try to work with that. Uh, and, and so it's part of the meditation. And then you start working through all kinds of unresolved and issues. Does that make sense? Yeah, I meant, yeah, yeah, I was meant sitting meditation in particular. But yeah, mindfulness, practicing mindfulness in daily life is a way of supporting meditation practice. But there's many more things you can do in daily life besides being mindful of what you do. Um, as, for example, I mean, some people just need to do less. <laughs> you know, sometimes just doing too much, you know, there's all kinds of good things to do, but you can do too many good things so that by the time you sit down to meditate, you're exhausted and tired. So some people rearrange their life to actually do less because meditation is so important, for example. Or some people live uh, unethical lives. And they realize after a while they can't continue doing these unethical things they do if what they want to do is go deeper into meditation practice. So they start living more ethically. Yes? Yes. So make the time and have a regular discipline, a program. So you, this is what you do day in, day out, and it becomes a steady, regular thing. Yeah, it's very, very effective. So, right livelihood is, uh, you know, as I said at the beginning of the day, um, in terms of work, uh, it uh, takes up a big chunk of a people's lives. 
And so it's well worth looking more deeply at what it means to work and the, the attitudes we have, the practices within work. And for people who don't have conventional employment kind of work, um, then perhaps their lifestyle occupation is even, takes even more time than just the work. And that cause, uh, so well, how do we live our life? That's a very uh, good question. Um, I think that um, as, as we've kind of gone through this day, I've been thinking about it some and thinking that it's such a huge issue for some people that maybe at some point we should organize a series of evenings or something, like a five, six week series on uh, practicing in the workplace and, uh, and explore that with people because of how it's you know, supportive to bring the practice and into the workplace and explore that. And, and so um, I'll think about that and think how it might be able to be offered that. So I think that's our time. Um, I appreciate it very much that you came and engaged this topic. As I said also in the beginning of <clears throat> the day, I feel like it's a tender topic for many people. It uh, touches something that uh, can be in, uh, fraught with suffering and anxiety and disappointment and feeling of um, inadequacy or not getting what you want or frustration. And it's a lot of things that come with the whole work livelihood thing. And so I, I think it should be entered into with care. I hope that having the discussions that we had in this format uh, 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 held you with care and uh, in your situation with all this. Uh, there is these two handouts, the essay that I've written and then the reflections you can use in the course of the month if you'd like to on this topic. And then um, uh, it would be great if the benefit and merit from our exploration today, discussion today, uh, benefited not only you, but benefited all the people you encounter in your place of livelihood. So they benefit directly or indirectly from all this. May all beings be happy. <laughs>